right. Okay, well, we're in the atrium of the Hyatt Regency in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm with Teresa Mazza. Hey. Teresa, <laughs> how are you doing? I am great. Good, good. Well, I'm thrilled that you're able to be with us right now, Teresa. Um, Jason Ostrander. Yep. Uh, when I said, I'm coming to Sipley Youth Ministry Conference, I, I, I want to interview some folks. He said, you've got to talk to Teresa Mazza. I, I, I don't, I, I actually don't know that much about you, um, except I've seen you before. Last fall, you came to speak at the summit in Atlanta, yeah. which is what the youth cartel does. Yep, um, Marco. And you did essentially a Christian TED Talk there, which we will yes. talk a little bit more about in a few minutes. Okay. Um, because that's, you know, what you did there is kind of, Something that's building up in your heart that you right. care about. Now, but but first, right. who are you? What do you do? Are you a youth minister? Where do you do it? I was a youth minister for over a decade. I am now a I am now a youth worker at large. I speak at conferences like this one that we're here at now, and um, did like you said was at the summit. Um, but I actually work with a Japanese congregation right now, wow. and I am a church executive. So I'm not I'm not in a youth ministry role. Uh, except for undercover. <laughs> You're an undercover I'm youth undercover, minister. Undercover, yeah. Doing, uh, you know, executive role stuff. Right I now. I am for the church doing executive role, but I'll tell you more about how how that puts me in the position to be an undercover youth pastor. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear about that, and yeah. let's come right back to yep. it. I'm going to do a blitzkrieg get sure. to know me. So we're going to start with um, just a few questions that I think will be fun to answer. Of course, I think they'll be fun to answer. Because I came up with them. Um, <laughs> describe your perfect fast food meal, Teresa. So, Ooh. so you know, if you could take any item from any of the fast food restaurants and create a meal, what would it be? It would be nacho cheesy fries. Nacho cheesy fries fr from where? From Taco Bell and okay. Wendy's mixed together. Oh. <laughs> Wendy's fries and Taco Bell nacho cheese. Yes. All right. Nacho cheesy fries. Anything is that, that anything else with that? A salad? A, you know. Uh, we'll wash it down with cherry coke. Cherry coke. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. You um, would need to. Uh, critical question for you, Teresa: Rock, paper, or scissors? Ooh. If you had to Rock, choose one. Paper. <laughs> paper. I think you got to go with paper. Very utilitarian. Cover, cover that stuff up. That's good. Okay, paper. What is your go-to comfort food? Ooh, go-to comfort food. You've had a bad day. Uh-huh. You know, what? what is it? Is it bluebell ice nacho cream? I mean, that's what fries. it would be for me. <laughs> it would be nacho <laughs> cheesy fries. Oh, no, no, no. It's like a stew, like a hearty, warm stew. Okay. With the potatoes. Yes. The Fantastic. All right. A puppy shows up at your house and will not leave. Okay. Will not leave. You haven't fed it. You don't know how. It's alive, but it will not go away. Puppy. Puppy. What do you call this puppy? What 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 name do you give it? I mean, you don't know what it looks like right now, so you're just having to go with like your you know just like basic Teresa Maza dog oh, name. Oh, the puppy would be named Baby. Okay, you'd call he, it baby. He would he would become my baby right away. <laughs> this exact situation. And I would situation. talk to him like a baby, and his name would be Baby. This exact situation happened at the Rubio house. We had a dog <laughs> okay. that came and would not leave, and it actually harassed our other dog to death. It 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 began essentially kissing our dog on the mouth. <laughs> Non-stop, okay. Teresa. I know this. I've, I've hijacked our podcast for a moment. 
<laughs> this dog started, you know, kissing our dog's mouth. Our dog tried to get away from it. It couldn't. The dog, less than two weeks later, our dog was dead from a kidney infection. Oh, kidney no. failure. This is a sad story. It's a terrible story. <laughs> we all blame this dog that we now call Buster. Buster. And yes, that Starts became. So anyway, there's a history to that question. All right. Um, this is from Morris Gregoire, Facebook page, Asking Can Be Fun, which I love, sponsor of the show. What was your favorite audio recording when you were seven? Wow. That is a hard question. When you were seven My years old. favorite audio recording? Know, what, what song was your favorite that year? For me, it was oh, Another One Bites the it Dust. It had to be my, like something with Michael Jackson. Would Thriller have been? I think that sounds about right. Yeah, we'll Thriller. go with it. Perfect. We'll do it, yeah. And, and finally, there's a button in front of you. If you press it, Teresa Mazza, <laughs> you must wear a different pair of shoes every day for the rest of your life. If you don't press it, you may only wear one pair of shoes. For the rest, for the rest of my of life. Your. Not Uggs. I will not wear Uggs. It, it, you choose, but you must wear that pair of shoes only for the rest of your life. Only that pair Or you've of got shoes. to change every day. Let's go for some flip-flops. So you're going to not press the button and wear flip-flops. That's an incredibly youth oh, administration did I, answer. Oh, did I totally do it wrong? No, no, no. <laughs> you, you get to choose. Okay. If you press the button, you've got to change shoes every day. Oh, oh. There's a button God? in front of you. Yeah. Are you going to press the button or not? See, I'm a youth pastor at heart. You have to explain it to me more than once. <laughs> I totally flopped. So there's a button. If you press the button... You've got to change shoes every day for the rest of your life. I don't want to do that. If you So you don't press the button and you go with flip-flops. I go with flip-flops. Yeah, perfect. I'm not perfect. changing my shoes every day. I know that that is counterintuitive <laughs> for women, but I do not want to change my shoes every there day. There you go. That, that's perfect. So tell me, I'm going to ask you to brag on yourself a okay. second. Um, why did Jason Ostrander say you got to talk to this sure. youth ministry genius, Teresa Mazza? I mean, oh, what, wow. what's so great about you? Well, I moved to Colorado a couple years ago from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and um, I was connected to Jason and group publishing just shortly after moving to, to Colorado by Mark Ostrecker, who's here doing workshops yep. this week, and he was the one who ran the youth cartel uh, when we were at the summit. Um, and Marco introduced me to group. Uh, moving from Florida at the time, I just founded and for a couple years was running a youth ministry center called Rocket Town and is specifically gauged um, as like an attraction ministry. So yeah. trying to reach out to kids where they're at, find out what they're passionate about, what they're doing, and totally outside the, the traditional models of youth ministry within it's the church. It's not a church. Not, not a it's church. It's not a youth group at right, a church. Right, right. It, it so it's, it's like, it's a, like a youth center? center. It's like a youth center, but not community center. So it, picture, picture a music venue, like a hardcore music venue with sweaty people, you know, standing, standing room only. Picture a skate park, picture a cafe, and, uh, and just typical teenagers. And that, that's, what, that's what we were doing. And so when I moved to Colorado and met group, they wanted to know about that yeah. and kind of what my heart was following that. So, and and why? What did? Give me a story from your time at Rocket Town that sort of caused you. And I know back in the fall sure. that you t what you talked about was getting out of our church yep. buildings, getting away from our four yep. walls, and go 
claim those people that are in our communities, the, those students that are in our, our cities. Yeah. What, give me a story that sort of ignited that passion yep. in you to do that. So I was serving as the youth pastor at Christ Church United Methodist Church in Fort Lauderdale. And the pastor asked me a question that was really open. And uh, he said, if, if money wasn't an issue and if you could do anything you wanted, and we could reformat how we do youth ministry, what would you do? What would you tell us to do? That's a big question. It was a big question, and I took my time with it. Of course, we're Methodists, so we formed a committee around it. (laughs) But at the end of the day, we came up with this process that led us to understanding that our church was not an attraction for youth, no matter what we did. Try to have concerts, try to have basketball, you know, pick up games you could do anything we could we could do everything in our power to attract teenagers and primarily what we were doing was was bringing christian kids to church and so kind of facing that reality that even in a large church with a healthy youth ministry that you're primarily reaching church kids you're reaching kids who already have a support system so when that question was asked, my, my heart just was driven towards the student that does not have a support system. There's no spiritual support system in place. There's no mentorship in place. Where are these students? And living in Fort Lauderdale, it's like there's a lot of teenagers in our city. Anyone who thinks about the city that they live in, there's a lot of teenagers. And it was very, very small sliver of a percentage is coming to our church. Mm-hmm. So how do we justify saying that we're called to youth ministry and, and yet we're satisfied with only mentoring or reaching a sliver of the population? And so I said, well, we've got to get out of this church. If we're going to reach kids, let's get out of this church yeah. and let's do something in our city that's actually going to attract teenagers into a relationship with us so that we can introduce them to the love of Christ. And so we've, we, uh, we partnered with uh, Michael W. Smith in Nashville, mm-hmm. and um, we basically became like a sister. To the uh, Rocket Town there. To the Rocket Town in Nashville. And, um, and so we opened the second Rocket Town in Fort Lauderdale, and, um, and we were blown away by it. Before we even opened the door, kids were sitting outside the building, coming into the building before we even opened. And it was because we weren't a church and Mm -hmm. because we weren't trying to give them church programming. How did you, and and how intentional, I guess there's a lot of questions, ways I could phrase it. What did you do to connect the, the students that that you were able to mm-hmm. generate and develop relationships with. I'm sure you didn't try to immediately connect them to a congregation or no. a church. No. Right. But but I'm sure you tried to connect them to the heart of God. How'd you go about doing that? Were you yeah. recruiting youth leaders essentially to, to be at Rocket Town, to hang yeah. out at Rocket Town and to do that? It you know, when was you, it discipleship? I mean, when you get outside of the church and you say, "Hey, we're going to try to attract teenagers," you're you're looking at something that you've never looked at before because you're saying, "Okay, let, let's do a music venue, let's run a skate park," and and I, I've never done those things before. I'm a youth pastor. Yeah. I'm used to teaching on Sunday night and saying, right. "Listen to me for 20 minutes." Right. I'm not used to saying, "Oh, hey, yeah, we need to raise money for that skate ramp, or the kids aren't right. going to want to be here." 
So, so basically what we did was we reached out to everyone who had a pulse on youth culture and we reached out to people in our community that, were, that already had relationships with kids um, and, and could show us that, that you know, we go to a skate park like Ramp 48 in Fort Lauderdale and see that there's more kids hanging out at that skate park than have ever, ever touched our youth ministry. And you say, oh, this is where the kids are, you know. If mm-hmm. you, you could go to the mall and say, this is where teenagers are hanging out, you know. And so we were interested in, in connecting to anyone who said, hey, if you want to have relationships with students, this is what they're doing. Yeah. And this is what you need to provide. What we provide at church isn't necessarily what students are doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what we provide at church is what Christian kids do, yeah. but it's not what typical kids outside of the church do. And so when we, when we faced it that way and met people in the community, met kids in Fort Lauderdale, met young adults who grew up in Fort Lauderdale to tell us, when you grew up in Fort Lauderdale, what did you do? So we were meeting with like 20 year olds saying, you, you were just a teenager here, what did you do? And they told us the truth. And so we geared ourselves towards that. And we found that the main function was to be a music venue. And so we opened up a music venue. And I've never in my life, I'll tell you two months into it, seeing hundreds of kids wrapped around the building and going, God, I have never ever ever had this opportunity to meet so many kids and did you did they know you loved them but with the love of Christ I mean did you did you did they know you're a Jesus person they didn't they didn't until they had a friendship with me so the relationship occurred and this is just a, a right. lady that's helping us have this awesome music yeah. venue or yeah this they, great they skateboard. thought I was the owner of this right. awesome music venue that's what they thought a and lot that, of the kids would say that hey you're the owner yeah that's what they thought and and there came a point where you were able to say after a relationship has been formed, you know, to, to talk about your faith or to talk about what life you're, you're trying to live yeah. in Christ? Or, or, I mean, or did it, it still yeah. take a very organic, It was organic. watch me and learn from my Absolutely. life? Absolutely, and that's something that Joe, Joe Saxon's going to talk about tonight. She's going to talk about imitation. That's a big part of their ministry. And so kids would tell you, and one of the reasons why Rocket Town Venue was so popular was that we were ran well, we were friendly. A lot of music venues that you go to, they're not friendly. Even security is sketchy. Yeah, Anyone yeah. who goes to a hardcore music venue will tell you that it can be a frightening experience, yeah. that uh, the people who take your ticket are rude. And we grew because kids were saying, man, I love coming here. I'm treated well. I'm treated like a human being. I'm, you guys are friendly. It's run well. I feel safe here. And so on that regard, when they got to know us, at some point, yes, kids would understand what Rocket Town was because we had other opportunities. So, you know, you're, you're coming to a show for the third time and we're saying, hey, did you know on Wednesday night that we're actually having a discussion group about faith? It's totally optional. If you want to come, you can. Well, why, why would you guys have a, a discussion about faith? Oh, I'm a Christian. And then they're looking yeah. at me going, you're a Christian? No, you're not. Right. I go, well, why don't you think I'm a Christian? Well, because you're not judgmental. Christians are jerks. You're not a jerk. Why didn't they think I was a jerk? Because I treated them well when they were in our music venue. It was hard for them to imagine that the owner of this right. awesome music venue <laughs> right. is a Christian. Because 
Christians, you know, they might have this. It, it was amazing to me. They thought they thought because I was nice that I couldn't be a Christian. Wow. And so wow. I had to teach them that that wasn't really the truth. That that might have been their experience with one other Christian, but it certainly wasn't the the experience that they were having. So is that? Did you go when you went to Colorado? Yep. Did you go to do the same thing there, another Rocket Town kind of situation? I did. That was like a family transition. My husband is the music director okay. at Broomfield. So you, you kind of had to leave where you were, I this left, job yeah. you love, yep. and this opportunity yeah. that had you'd yeah. seen God use. Yep. Uh, that had to be hard, maybe? I mean, how did really you get hard. through that? It was, re- it was a tough transition, but I, I used to tell our staff at Rocket Town all the time, if Rocket Town wasn't here, what would we be doing tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. And the answer was loving kids. Yeah. So that's what you started doing in Colorado? Absolutely, yeah. So the mission didn't change. You just, the paycheck reduced. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for quite a while. <laughs> but you kept loving teenagers Absolutely. and doing what it is you've been created to right. do. Because what, the lessons that, that, that you're describing about learning how to reach teenagers um, where they are could be implemented Anywhere, anywhere and and, and with without being having a title or being seen as the owner of something oh, right what was next for you then what what did you do then what are you doing yep. now and how does this tie into your passion for this well I'm I am like everybody else you know I have a family I have a job I have to keep gas in my car yeah. so I find myself working as the executive uh-huh. of a Japanese church it's a hundred years old in Colorado um, a lot of heritage there and this is where the undercover youth pastor thing right. happens. So I, they I, didn't hire you to be a youth minister. They did not minister. hire me to be the youth minister. They they they're an older church. They don't have teenagers in their church. Yeah. So here's the deal with the mindset of Rocket Town and reaching out to kids. We actually lease our parking lot for one cent a year to a charter school that shares our parking lot. And there's about 500 teenagers that go to this charter school that's geared towards basically kids who who you wouldn't really see in a in a regular public school huh. they're super smart kids edgy kids and and they're uh, they're like the trendsetters like the kind of kids MTV would find right. and i'm looking out my window as i'm operating this church looking out the window going man look at these teenagers walking in and out of this school and we're in process right now of well <laughs> I'm, I'm not a youth pastor, but speaking to the pastor and being the executive of the church, uh, we are in process of partnering with a nonprofit that's not a Christian nonprofit, but is run by Christians yeah. that will um, partner with us and work out of our basement to reach the kids at that school and in that neighborhood. And this is a church basement that's been empty literally for 30 years. Nothing's been happening. Nothing's been happening in at this the Japanese basement at, at this church. Japanese church. It's like <laughs> wow. it's like the last people of that church that are alive that meet on Sunday. There's uh-huh. about 50 of them. Um, many of them speak Japanese. They have a Japanese speaking and English. And and the church basement, like a lot of basements, has been a ghost town. Yeah. And so we said, hey, you know, let's reach out to teenagers. Let's collaborate right. with someone who has a heart for teenagers and fill this basement up with life and reach these yeah. students across the parking lot. Did, did you have to twist anybody's arm at this church to, 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 you know, get them to agree to partner like this with the charter school? Not really. I think I think the main thing is just, you know, when you're when you're working with a, with an older church, um, 
they have a lot of pride in in the legacy that they have yeah. and and so they just need to catch the vision yeah. um, but when it comes down to it these people have been a church for a long time right. because they have faith because they are following Christ and so when it comes down to it they, they don't want to see their basement empty they want to reach kids too they just haven't under they haven't understood the resources that they have to do it and so w- teaching them about collaboration and saying we can do it with someone who doesn't go to our church that is a change for them because typically you would say okay well we have a youth pastor at our church or let's get someone at our church to do this and we're saying let's partner with someone outside of the church to use our building and to partner with us in ministry to make this happen that's really neat i love that and i also love you're not just doing this kind of you know undercover youth ministry work with this congregation and and the charter school but God is using you in other ways too, like like your work here and and the opportunity you have now to speak and to share and to share that vision with other youth leaders. Um, I uh, I'm listening to this and I'm imagining a lot of youth ministers are out there. Some could be listening to this podcast who have very traditional youth ministries. They've been hired by a congregation to lead that congregation's youth. Right. And to, to lead them up into faith, have right. them grow up, you know, uh, to mature and become kind of the body of Christ. And and so they, they are thinking in very traditional ways. You are presenting some very unconventional thoughts and some, uh, you know, very press the edge, sure. get outside, you know, kind of bust out, um, out of the box thinking. Are, do you have any practical suggestions for that youth pastor that's thinking... I'll get fired if I try <laughs> right, to do right. this tomorrow with right. because I'm responsible for these yeah, yeah. 60 kids that right. are in this congregation. What what's the practical suggestion for them? You're, well, you've thrown yeah. out a challenge. I think it's sure. really good. My suggestion is to look at look at your situation and say, okay, what are all the possibilities? It's possible that someone who is a youth pastor at a church can have an outside venture reaching kids that has not even connected to his church. For instance, my friend Wes Trevor in in Longmont, Colorado, is the youth pastor at a Presbyterian church. And we're talking about, you know, him opening up a burrito stand. Wow. <laughs> and so Yeah, that does that's not connected. So that he can be like a spot for teenagers to come and eat burritos. Mm-hmm. And th- these are two connected by by his heart and passion but not connected by paycheck and I think we just have to be willing to take some risk and look at all the options and we've been looking at it as you know you you look at a church youth pastor at uh, let's say the Baptist church on the corner who's afraid that if he pushes too hard he's gonna get fired but but I think we're just kind of close to thinking, well, what will my church allow? What does your life allow? Right. Your, your job and your vocation yeah. is not the only part of your life that you can give. That's good. And I'm also sitting here just thinking, I bet you every one of those six, every one of those conventional youth ministries, out of the 60 teenagers that are in the youth room on a given Sunday or Wednesday, some of those, teen- some of those teenagers care as much about their peers as as we do love teenagers you know so so maybe maybe a key lies in empowering or, or, or equipping you know and encouraging our students to imagine what it would look like to minister outside these walls to their friends yeah absolutely and that doesn't mean that innovative ideas can't happen within the walls right. of the church sure. i totally believe they can um 
but yeah, just just being willing to say, hey, let's think outside of the box. And like you said, yeah, let's give our teenagers some opportunities to be entrepreneurs in faith and innovative in ministry. And that's a huge thing for this generation to say, hey, you guys are smart. You have ideas and we need to follow you. You've been following us for way too long, listening to us up front, tell you about faith. And now we need this is an exchange, you know, relationships with teenagers. It's an exchange. And when we're willing to make that exchange, truly um, truly relational and saying that we have as much to learn from you as you do do from us then then we might come up with ideas that we would have never done you yeah, know or yeah. we might end up doing something maybe our next mission trip isn't to Mexico maybe they have some crazy idea that keeps us yeah. from going to Mexico not that Mexico mission trips are bad but no. maybe they have some crazy idea of what mission is mm-hmm. and maybe their idea of mission keeps us in our city and we just Boy, wouldn't need to that ask. be something? We just need to ask the question. Our teenagers, yeah. If we gave them a voice, gave them a chance, who do you want to mission? You know, be be a missionary to? Maybe it's maybe it's the students in their school that are that are would would prefer a music venue, you know, or a skate park over our youth wing. But if we room. don't, if we don't want to have to deal with change, and we don't want to have to deal with supervisors saying, "Hey, we don't have the budget for that," then we don't ask the question. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a tough one, and I just hope everybody hearing this, you know, is willing to just be courageous enough to imagine what that might look like, uh, and hopefully we're at churches that want what we want too. I mean, don't we? I'd like to think we're all at churches that, whether it's the board or the eldership or our pastors, you know, senior ministers or whatever, we we all want every teenager one to Jesus. Yeah, one absolutely. for him to the kingdom. Well, we've, um, we've made our main connection to people outside the church, the church as in the building and what program, you know, the programs yeah. that we provide. But, but, but the reality is we can connect with people on so many levels. If you love hockey, then you find yourself on a men's hockey yeah. league, right? At, at, yeah. at midnight playing hockey with yeah. your buddies. There's so much room in our life to connect with people. And, and we've, kind of, we've kind of ostracized ourselves to the church and yeah. saying this is where we connect with people in faith. But we need to really open that up and say, where is there room in my life? Where is there interest in my life to connect with people outside of the church? And then just have those relationships and let it start there. Yeah. It doesn't take yeah. a million dollars. Hockey's expensive, but it doesn't well, take a Well, you're right. Dollars. You did you did choose a slightly <laughs> expensive sport. Uh, basketball might be a little, a cheaper, little cheaper, yeah, yeah. You know, although we probably have some, <laughs> some environments where hockey is, is very accessible. Um, Teresa, I know you've got to go. You're involved in what's happening tonight yeah. on the main stage in just a few minutes. Yeah. So I really appreciate hey, you, thank you taking some time. Thanks for the digital side hug. Absolutely. And for the physical yeah. side hug yeah. right now, <laughs> I, I appreciate your willingness to be a part of it. I'm excited about this weekend and what it's going to bring and yeah, your involvement in it. Um, and uh, and I would just say, is there is there any final word of advice for our listeners? A word of advice? No, not really a word of advice. Just... I mean, this is this is topping off the podcast with cheese. But seriously, just get involved with people and love people. That's good. That's a blessing. Thank you, Teresa. Have a great weekend. Yeah, thanks. We'll see you guys later on the Digital Side Hug.